0: You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion, part of the E2C Network. We're back again to discuss another Auburn Tigers men's victory. My name is Kyle Loomis, Director, Editor-in-Chief of the E2C Network. We're going to break down the victory for the Tigers by the score of 85-66, to 66, this time on the road over the Texas A&M Aggies. The Auburn Tigers record now pushes over to 13-3 on the year, and finally getting ahead into the win column 2-1. and one in the sec we're gonna break down all the action news events from this game and to do all of that i brought in my friend and partner in crime mr clint richardson of the auburn uniform database clint it is so good to finally start winning again on the road giggle <laughs> that is not what i expected from you tonight <laughs> don't you hey, dare start i'm not, not
1: gonna be yelling like those yell leaders yes
0: happening. Please do not. I was about to say if you start chanting, doing little, you know, satanic signals and things like that, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be a little. Hey, bit I was concerned. gonna be a
1: little bit nicer about it than that.
0: Well, I mean, does it not give you like the the heebie-jeebies watching them do that?
1: Yeah, but only because I don't know what they're saying. That's I feel true. like because that's the kind of thing I love about college sports, and I just want to know what they're saying <laughs> and join in. I'd love to join in with them. I really want to go see Midnight Yell one year and and hang out with that kind of thing. That's that's such a cool tradition but just on the outsider it's weird
0: (laughs) what you do with your own time man is strictly up to you it's a little (laughs) weird to me that you want to be a part of that but hey they probably think the same thing about a bunch of people standing around a statement chanting at uh, a stadium chanting at an eagle flying around so hey i guess we all got our weird things but you know we'll, we'll just let it be that Anyway, let's talk about this game. But before we do that, we have to cover a little bit of a a mess up on our part, Clint, that we uh, failed to do in the last game analysis that I'm very shocked at us uh, for forgetting. Uh, I guess mainly that falls on me as a producer of the show uh, for missing that. But let's talk about a very special moment that happened prior to the last game. And Cole Blackstock, Will McCoy who are walk ons at Auburn and have been here for quite some time following the similar pattern that Patrick Kime did, getting scholarships. Clint, it is not unheard of for this to happen, but but usually just one. Now two walk ons who have been here a while get honored by their teammates and their coach with a scholarship.
1: Yeah, it's always such a cool moment and I, I love how Bruce has done it with PK last year and these two now this time. Um <clears throat> You know, it's just, it's such a team moment, and I just, again, I love how he does it, and you know, these are the kind of sports that make sports fun and great, and I really like that coaches are starting to kind of one-up each other to see who can have the best reveal. I think it was a Northwestern basketball player this week. Um, <clears throat> in a team meeting, they had a police officer walk in and, and scare the crap out of the kid, and awarded him a scholarship that way and and that's it's just some some cool different ways to to give a a kid and a family a big reward for all the hard work and speaking as a former walk-on you know i never
0: got the opportunity uh to experience something like that because a didn't play as long as cole or will or even patrick did uh but i can understand from a perspective uh being through that as well what they've gone through um, and not all of it's bad in a sense, but it's, you know, you, you watch the other teammates get all the glory, the playing time, the hype, and you're supposed to show up and practice just as hard, if not harder, every single day and never reap really of the benefits, at least the benefits that we think of. So to see not only them get rewarded with the scholarship, but to see the way the players responded with them and how excited they were from it, it truly speaks to what coach pearl has cultivated within this program and these teams each year is the camaraderie the feeling of fellowship between these guys almost and probably they would speak to this testament of being brothers on the team so i love this and now bruce pearl's got a tough one to follow up next year next year
1: he's got to do three i think (laughs) that would be one tall task but does
0: he even have three walk-ons to give it to next year i don't know if it's possible
1: well, I guess we'll have to wait
0: and see. Well, there's always next year to find out. But congratulations to Cole and Will. Very excited for you. So let's move on to some discussion this game. Again, Auburn defeats Texas A&M on the road in Aggieland, 85-66. to And I'm very impressed with how this team uh, bounced back after some tough road losses and responding kind of got out ahead of this team. But Clint, the first question I always ask you, Was this a complete game? No, (laughs) that was a tough one. That was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be for you. Yeah,
1: it was. This is, you know, I think Auburn played really well. um, To let someone like Bryce Brown just go off for twenty-two and and nineteen straight points, I think was such a great outing for him. Um, Defense played pretty well. This is the kind of game that Auburn should have won by thirty or forty points. Texas A&M did not play well, and it's it's really surprising how far Texas A&M has fallen. I mean, they're now 7-8. Yeah. and eight. Just last year, they were 22, 23, and 12 or so, and they beat number two seed UNC in the tournament <clears throat> handily. I mean, basically by the same score they lost tonight, and that's just... That's a really big drop off, and you know, the crowd looked the same way. They weren't, there was nobody there. Um, but Auburn should have taken this game and run away with it. And I was, was kind of concerned at the beginning of the game that it probably wasn't going to turn out that way, but you know, I, I'm just glad that the Tigers were able to to find a rhythm and to kind of put to rest some of the. The road woes that this program has had recently
0: well you commented on how dead it was in the arena and i noticed that as soon as they switched over to that game usually you hear the home team getting pumped up the fans doing some kind of i mean they're the aggies they do some weird incantations or something like that i expected some (laughs) of that and it was just dead silent and i was like did people, sh- did they know that there was a basketball game today? Anything? I mean, you looked in the stands. There was just tons of missing seats. Or, you know, missing seats. They might as well have been missing seats because nobody could fill them. But I I don't get it. I don't know why Texas A&M has fallen off so hard and so fast. And I think it's not, the empty seats are not a testament to the fandom for Texas A&M because they are very rabid. But the results that they're seeing this year, I mean, like you said, they have a sub-500 record now and that's not something that you can really get excited about compared to where you were last year now granted they don't they're not lacking in talent they've got uh, some pretty good players i mean two of their players tonight 22 points flag and mitchell they both had 22 points in the night and basically everybody else struggled to score anything if, if nothing else auburn the worst thing they did tonight was let two people go into 20
1: points yeah i think you're right and you know you just look at the rest of the bot score And their three other starting five, you know, nobody topped seven, and they had three guys, granted one of them played four minutes, who didn't even score. And you know, this—I know that you've really compared a lot of teams to Auburn of last year, but I think this Texas A&M really looked like Auburn of a couple years ago, where just nothing was falling, nothing was going A&M's way. There were plenty of shots that were in the bucket and came out, or or anything just like that. Um, I'll not believe that I'm saying this, but Teddy Valentine called a good game for <laughs> Auburn. On. Whoa, 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 whoa! Are you are you okay? No, <laughs> but you know Ted, Teddy missed a couple of fa- uh, calls, but they went Auburn's way, and. And I wasn't going to say anything during the game because you can't, you can't piss off the, the Freddie Valentine gods. <laughs> and, but, you know, it just, it was finally Auburn's time. And it just really wasn't A&M's time. And it's such a frustrating thing to watch. I watched and you watched so many games over the past got 10 years now that just didn't go Auburn's way. And that's really what this felt like.
0: I agree with you. The more you talked about it, I I can look back even two seasons ago and where Auburn had the talent in place, but things just would not happen. I I recall during this game a moment where a three-point shot literally bounced in, bounced out, spun around, hit the backboard, bounced in again, and then bounced out. And I said, if that's not the most Auburn basketball thing ever, I don't know what is. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I had to do a double take. I was like, "Wait a minute, who shot that?" Cuz I have still reactions from a couple seasons ago because of that, you know. I'm like, "What's going on here? It's like we've just kind of reversed Juju somebody here." Uh but yeah, so not a great game for Texas A&M, but in the same light, Auburn could have done a little bit better. Let's look at some of their stats here to kind of compare. Uh field goal percentage, Auburn had 42, A&M 38. Three points percentage, 38 for Auburn, 29 for A&M. And finally, Oh, this is so good to see, Clint. My 80% from the free throw line. Granted, only 10 attempts. Thank you, Teddy Valentine, I guess. Uh, For Auburn, they finally get in the 80% range where I like to be, and A&M gets about 70. So it's not that Texas A&M shot terrible tonight. It's just Auburn, I think, came out and kind of hit them really hard at the mouth at the beginning. And to their credit, they made a couple runs, got it back to even nine at one point. But Auburn was just too much for them tonight.
1: Yeah, um, this this was such a interesting game. Just you know, like we said, Auburn went on a couple of runs and then allowed runs, which you'd really like to see Auburn get a little bit better at that. Um, <clears throat> Auburn shot really well from the field. You know, one of the big numbers here is that Auburn shot so many more times than A&M. Yeah. A&M was A and Yeah, A and M was nineteen of fifty overall. Auburn was thirty two of seventy six. <laughs> Auburn shot the ball what? I think it was forty something times close to half time. Yeah. And A and M was at twenty four, I think. And it's it's those kind of numbers that were just absolutely nuts to watch and and see that that Auburn was just out hustling A and M and you heard it through the commentators that A and M was so lackluster that I think You know, as much as Auburn feeds off the energy of the Auburn Arena and the jungle, a dead crowd can kind of suck the energy out. Absolutely. And and I think that's kind of what happened to A&M, that, you know, nobody's watching. Why are we trying? You know, maybe not to that extreme, but it was, you know, it wasn't a very strong outing. And I mean, I wouldn't have been happy if I'm the coach at that point.
0: No, I definitely agree that it's hard uh, to have any energy when you don't even have the support there that you're normally used to. So I can understand that the point still stands, though, that as a team, you've got to overcome those factors and play a little bit better than even if you don't have the support behind you. You brought up the differential on attempts here, 76 for Auburn from the field, 50 for A&M, a 26 differential there on shots attempted. Let's talk about maybe why some of that happened. When we look at rebounds, Auburn out-rebounded A&M 50-33. Oh Offensive rebounds, Auburn out-rebounded A&M 20-7. I'll go even further on that. We're used to this with Auburn having really great defensive stats. Auburn had 7 blocks and 10 steals. A&M only had 5 in each category. So if you wonder why Auburn had so many more attempts... Then A and M look no further than rebounds and defense—the two things, and along with free throws, I might add,
1: that will win games. <laughs> I mean this this game was truly the difference in tempo. Auburn was playing as fast as they could, and A and M was trying to fight that and slow it down and take away possessions. But Auburn—I mean, again, it was on the commentators were discussing it multiple times on how quick Auburn was playing, and I remember one moment specifically, I think Bryce or Jared grabs the rebound, and all of a sudden, Anthony McElmore is out of the frame. He's already set up on the other post. It was insane just how quickly they they started moving. And, you know, I want to go back to free throws real quick. <clears throat> Auburn has been really good about drawing fouls this year and getting to the free throw line. wasn't so much the case this game, but it wasn't necessary. And you know, to only go eight of ten, you know, percentage wise is really good, but I'd really like to see that number a little bit higher, especially as A and M was twenty one for thirty. That's a lot of free throws. And you know, even making all of those wouldn't have really put them in in a much better shape. But I know you were happy about your eighty percent and You're really going to be happy about this. It's only the second time this year Auburn has hit 80% on free throws.
0: But see, you're wrong there because I'm not happy about that. This (laughs) Auburn squad last year was doing 80% every other game it seemed like. And to only be the second time this year this happened with basically the same team? Not everybody's here. I understand that. But the bones of the team is still here? I don't understand how hard it is to make a hundred feet for those before you leave the basketball court. You're going to get me ranting about things again. So I'm going to stop right there. Moving on to some more individual statistics and people who had, you know, uh, great games here. You look no further than Bryce Brown. I mean, it's, we're having the same old story here. He just goes on a tear and dominates the game. And I guess the magic number tonight is just 22.
1: Yeah. I mean, A&M had two guys at 22 and then Bryce shows up at 22 and, And I believe 20 of those were in the first half. And, you know, to to be ultimately shut out in the second half, I'm really not sure what happened. Did did Bruce kind of slow Bryce down? Did Bryce get guarded a little bit better? Um, You know, I I really wish you could have seen Bryce go a little bit further than 22 just at the pace that he set in the first half. But I feel like that's getting a little nitpicky at, at a big win like this. Right.
0: No, I agree with you that you. it's a little surprising, but I do. I I would err on the side of Bruce Pearl telling him, hey, let's focus on your teammates a little bit. Not in saying that don't go out there and try to score, but work on other areas of your game that you need a little bit more honing in, driving, You know, passing. Not that he's not good in those areas either. I feel like I keep digging myself a hole here and how I say this, but I, I could see Pearl taking him aside and saying, you, you did great on your shooting. Let's keep honing those other areas so we can get you ready for the rest of the season and your teammates ready, and especially for yourself. Make yourself even more of a uh, potential candidate for NBA stuff in the future there. Um, Another great game here, a guy who continues to improve, Anthony McLemore, continues to look like the the guy of old, slamming down dunks, getting rebounds, block shots, scoring more. (laughs) Uh, I am. I think honestly, we used to say as the team goes, Bryce or Bryce Brown goes, the team goes. I think now it's becoming as Anthony Mclemore goes, the team goes.
1: I, I can agree with that, and you know, we talked about it last week. Anthony is finally starting to trust that ankle, and I saw him take a, an awkward fall towards the end of the game, and I was starting to worry <clears throat> if he might regress on that, but. Yeah, once again, he's he's playing above the realm again, and that's where Anthony Macklemore belongs.
0: Yeah, I, I agree there. That you know, you worry any time that a player with such a horrific injury kind of gets in those situations again, will they kind of clam up again and and not be as aggressive or energetic in certain situations? But it was happy to see that that did not affect him in that area this time and I think another area that he helps improve in is our baseline defense which is something you seem to be noticing as the game went along there that this is a strength of this as strong as many areas are for the Auburn defense this is one that you particularly noticed
1: yeah and it's it it got better as the game went on but I think that was more so just a panicking more so than Auburn fixing this result but it's been an issue over the past couple of years on Auburn plays really good defense you know, for 51 feet or so. Or, no, it's 90 feet, isn't it? Yeah. The size of the basketball court. Right. They play good for about 87 feet. And then the last two or three feet along the baseline underneath the goal, they're just not stepping close enough to the line. That's something that we were taught in first and second grade basketball. Use the baseline. Use the out of bounds line as a sits defender. Step on that line. Step over that line. You are allowed to go outside that line as a defender, and don't let them get behind you. And you know when you saw me tweet that earlier, that's exactly what Auburn did. I think it was Anthony playing on the block, and he's getting set up, and all of a sudden, guy goes right underneath his arm. You know, between him and the baseline, it's not a big gap and gets points out of it and that's something that you know anybody like unc and duke and kentucky are probably going to exploit and it's it's such an easier fix. step two feet over you've got all your teammates to your right and put your left foot on the line or closer to the line now i definitely stop at heart
0: that That's a, a small area, and I think the important thing to remember here is as Auburn continues, hopefully, to have wins like this that are a little bit more comfortable, they can start fine-tuning some of these areas where we see some inconsistencies or a little lackluster play, um, and I think that's... How some of these other teams and programs stay so good is because they're so good in some of the other smaller areas that they can start fine-tuning things. So that's a very important thing for Auburn to start picking up on these things and continue to work on them. Last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the next game, the question of what's going on with Danjo Purifoy. This is a game where I was sure we were going to get to see some—not significant, I shouldn't say that— quality-ish for him time uh, played in this game, and he literally gets seconds. Uh, nobody knows what's really going on. There's some speculation, rumblings of what's going on, so we don't want to feed into the speculation, but just maybe look at why. And it's, it's a further question beyond Purifoy here. Coach Pearl even commented at the game he, that why he left the starters in for as long as he had, and I I agree with him in this sense. He wanted to give them a chance to kind of prove that they could maintain this, work on some things, not be a little lackluster at the end when the game seemed in hand. And, you know, I think the opinion is they kind of did fall a little bit short from that uh, scenario that he gave them. So I agree from a team standpoint that it works, but I, I just wonder what is going on with Purifoy right now with why we didn't even see him get two or three minutes in this game.
1: Yeah, the, the way that the game started going at the end of the half, and the beginning of the second half, I, I did think to myself, D'Angelo might get five or six minutes at the end of the game. And, you know, like we said earlier, Albert should have won this game by 20, 25, 30 points. And let A&M hang around a little bit too much every now and then. And I do think that Coach Pro was right in the sense that they should have ended the game better to earn that potential of sitting for the last couple of minutes and seeing some teammates who don't get to play a whole lot, get out on the court. Um, I think it was the foul and the free throws with, you know, 10, 11 seconds left that D'Angelo actually saw the court. And that's just not a lot. And going back to previous comments from Pearl, he said that D'Angelo is third, maybe fourth in line to get on the, court behind, you know, I think Samir and and Javon and those guys. And he's just not earned it. Well is, is that... what I is what I'm gathering from those words. And again, we don't see everything. We see these guys for forty minutes on the court. There's a lot that goes on, the fifteen minutes in the locker room and the days before and after these games. We don't know what happens there and you know, there, there's a lot that could be going on, and you could speculate and, and go down that rabbit hole if you want, but you know, I think a couple of years ago when D'Angelo was basically the second star in this team, when you and I played the game, who scores more, Mustafa or D'Angelo? D'Angelo was one of the best players on the on the court, and since then we've seen such an increase in talent, and you know, I I don't think that D'Angelo is one of those top two guys, talent-wise, on the court anymore. And combine that with he hasn't played a game in a year and a half. And, you know, it's this is a completely different monster. And I do wonder how things would look right now if D'Angelo didn't have that nine-game suspension at the beginning of this year. If he was able to get out there and play in the the cupcake games and the warm-up games, would we see a different lineup? Would we see an 11, 12-man lineup instead of what we are now?
0: Yeah, it would definitely be an interesting scenario to see how that would have played out at the beginning of the year. And I do want to reiterate kind of what you said there. Speculation is what it is. Speculation. Nobody knows except who's on the team there. I mean, if we believe every bit of speculation— um, that was out there, Gus Malzahn would have renegotiated his contract uh, for this year, but uh you know there are things like that out there uh that being said, um I do hope that Coach Pearl can find some way some minutes to give him because he is not going to get better unless he has to it 's again a problem i don 't want to have to fix, and i don 't envy Coach Pearl having to try to figure it out. I trust his judgment. He's pro- he's proven that he knows what he's doing here taking a program that was in the dumpster and rising it to national prominence in 4 years, really. So, I am very um I trust in him and his decision making. I just I hate it for Gill, and I want to see him play a little bit more and hopefully that'll happen as the Tigers move further into SEC play. Speaking of further SEC play, we got a big one coming up this Saturday, the nineteenth at four PM Eastern Time. The Big Blue Nation comes to Auburn Arena and the game will be on ESPN. The Kentucky Wildcats come in with a record of 13-3, and the same as the Auburn Tigers. Both teams come in with 13 wins. One will leave with that fourth loss. But who will it be? We're about to find out, or at least we're going to debate about it here. Uh, Clint, there was a time where you and I would see Kentucky come in, and we'd be like, well, if we could just stay within 10 points, it it would look good. (laughs) Now the question is, does Kentucky stand a chance to beat Auburn at home? What a difference half a decade makes.
1: I mean, it's it's insane that you know this this is a good Kentucky team like they all are, but this isn't the dominating team that we've seen in previous years. The they're they're not going undefeated like we saw a couple of years ago. They might not have four first round pits like they have in previous seasons. <clears throat> this is just a run of the mill really good Kentucky team and I don't think they're all that great. You know, everybody's really gonna point towards the first game of the season where they lost to Duke a hundred and eighteen to eighty-four. Terrible game for Kentucky. But since then they've they've really played well. They can score a lot of points, although there are games that they haven't scored a lot of points. To to only win seventy seven sixty-two against Tennessee State is not what big blue nation expects. To lose to Seton Hall in overtime by a point, probably not the worst loss in the world, <clears throat> um, but definitely losing on the road to Alabama is the worst loss
0: in the world. <laughs> it's the worst loss anybody could have right now.
1: <clears throat> it's the worst loss of the season, that's for sure. But you know they they've come out and they've beaten A and M again. Not the best A and M team in the world. They've beaten Vanderbilt. I mean, just look at the score: fifty six to forty seven. I don't follow Kentucky sports that well, but I don't know the last time Kentucky basketball scored 56 points in a win. And you know, and then they've gone to Athens and played a not really great Georgia team. So their conference schedule isn't really that impressive, but it's always Kentucky. They've beaten North Carolina. They've played a really tough Duke team. Yeah. And that's really about all I can give them on their schedule. But they're going to come out here. They're going to play hard, like always. It's Calipari, it's Kentucky, and it's Auburn. You know that they're not going to take losses well, especially last year, and they're going to come out here look to fight and look to prove their dominance for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be Kentucky. The talent is there. The question is how much talent, and is that talent good enough to win on the road? in Auburn Arena because the biggest question right now that's going to be answered from this game is who is going to be the perceived, i put that in quotation marks, number two in the SEC because if we just look at everybody on resumes and performance so far, Tennessee looks as good as advertised. And then there's Auburn and Kentucky and a couple other teams probably just up there kind of pushing for their spot, but really just those two who seem to be the next best in the SEC right now. So we're going to come away with some answers here. Is Auburn for real against the SEC competition, is Kentucky a little bit better than people are giving them credit for? And was that Alabama loss at fluke? Um, I will say that if you want to look at some comparisons, the Duke game is your best option there uh, thus far. And, but the only thing with that is, is it's the first game of the season. Emotions are high. Things aren't all together working as well as they would have. Auburn plays them about four games into the season, so not still completely solid yet for both teams. But a definitely a better-looking loss for Auburn, especially out in Maui, where they put on a very good performance overall. So I think on paper, you and especially with at home, you give the edge to Auburn. But don't be surprised if the big blue nation comes out of here with a win. And again, it wouldn't be the worst loss in the world because it's always Kentucky.
1: Yeah, and Auburn Arena is going to be packed. Get to the arena early it's going to be wild you're going to be jealous of all the students down in the jungle this is going to be one of the best atmospheres in auburn in a very very long time
0: i hope to be there as well enjoying the festivities and hopefully an auburn win over the kentucky wildcats we'll be back again to talk with you guys hopefully after auburn victory and that 14th win before we get out of here clint let's give our contact information you can find me on Twitter at tiger TigerEye24.
1: Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at AuburnUniforms.com.
0: That's all we have for you in this edition of Inside the Juggle. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.